0: Are you ready for the Word of God? Have you been enjoying the series on Ruth? Yes, we're continuing. Some of you are like, "We're continuing that." Yeah, we're continuing. Uh, open your Bibles to the Book of Ruth, chapter number two, and uh, we'll start from verse number ten. I'm just—I've been really enjoying it myself. There's, um, there's just some series that you just enjoy studying and uh, this is one of them. The Word of God never gets old. Do you realize that? It just never gets old. You you, you, can, you can think you know passages, you can think you know scriptures, but now I think we have been preaching close to 25 years and every time you look at a scripture it just looks, it looks new. You, you see something new every time you look at it. So I've been really enjoying this series personally, not just preaching it, but just own personal study of it. Um, Ruth chapter 2 verses, number, we'll, we'll start from verse 10. And I'll give you the title and then we'll pray and start. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? I want to talk to you from the subject finding favor. Finding favor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so incredibly grateful for your word, my God. You said you sent your word and you healed us. We thank you for what your word is doing in our life. My God, that just as you spoke in the creation and your word created light out of the darkness, and created the something out of the nothing, my God. That's, that's what we believe your word is doing in us, my God. It's not just speaking to us, it's creating in us, my God. It is shaping us. It is separating, my God. The light from the darkness, my God, It's separating the waters from the land. It's putting life, my God, where there was none. It's planting gardens in our soul. We thank you for your word. My God, and I, I do pray, my God, that though it be my mouth moving, my God, I pray may it be your spirit that is speaking into every life, into every issue, into, my God, every hope, every desire, my God, every dream, my God, every place of darkness, every place of hopelessness, my God, that we just pray may you send your word in that place, those places, my God, and bring transformation. We give you the praise now, Father God. My God, I'm going to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered her and said, It has been fully reported to me, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. And how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, is the Lord that rewards. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge." Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and you have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. That's right, Ruth, you're not like everyone else. But that's the point, isn't it? That's the reason she was chosen She wasn't chosen because how much alike she was with everybody else. She was chosen because she was not like them. That's what drew the notice of Boaz in the first place. She was different. She was unlike everybody else. And sometimes what you see as a liability in your life is actually what is making you stand out and get noticed. And you sort of sense that the fact that Ruth is feeling sort of out of place, right? In fact, she sort of mentions the fact twice in verse 10 and verse 13. She says, how are you taking notice of me since I am a foreigner? Then she she goes on to say, thank you for treating me kindly and showing me favor, even though I'm not like everybody else. And you sort of have to understand the picture here is that uh, here not only is Ruth gleaning a gleaner in the field. She's not a reaper in the field. She's a gleaner in the fields. Not only is she a gleaner, but she is a Moabitess woman gleaning in upon Israelite land. And you can sort of imagine the pushback she's getting here from the other Israelite women who are there trying to glean for their household. And here this Moabite woman is competing for. The gleanings, they feel rightfully more belong to them. And you can imagine sort of the pushback she's experiencing, and she's sort of feeling the stigma of her difference. But what's funny is, is that what is maybe creating rejection on one side of the field, it is bringing her favor on the other side of the field. And if she would have tried maybe to fit in on this side, if she maybe tried to adjust her dress and adjust her accent and and adjust her style and and try to fit in with the rest of the gleaners to conform herself to be like everyone else, she may have found acceptance in one circle, but she would have lost favor over here. I want to talk to people who maybe feel like you've been pushed out because you're different. Pushed out of a group, pushed out of a circle, pushed out of a crowd, pushed out of a place you want to belong in. You're pushed out because you're different. You, You think differently. Your attitude is different. Your talk is different. Your style is different. Your walk is different. Your ways are different. What excites you does not excite everybody else, and what excites everybody else does not excite you. Where are my different people? Do I have any different, different people who, who, who just feel that you, you don't totally fit in into the places that you find yourself in? You don't seem to conform fully, and no matter how much you try to disguise the fact that you're different, still you've managed to stand out. I have a word for you. Stop trying to blend in. Stop trying to blend in. Stop trying to align yourself to the pattern everybody else is walking in because your favor is in your difference. Your favor is in your difference. Tell your neighbors, don't be afraid to be different. Hold on to your difference because it's the difference that seems to be closing doors over here That same difference is going to be opening doors over here. That's what God said about Joshua and Caleb, isn't it? The Bible says that he spoke up for Joshua and Caleb and they they, they were a bit different because while everybody else said it couldn't be done and everybody else said we should turn back, it was Joshua and Caleb who rose up out of the whole nation. It was Joshua and Caleb who rose up. Indeed, we can do it. I know it looks bad right now, but God is with us. And if he is for us, who can be again? They had a different testimony. They, have a different, they had a different attitude. They had a different report. And the Bible says God, God spoke up. The people were trying to stone Joshua and Caleb. And He says because they have a different spirit, they shall come into the land. So what was what they were trying to stone them for over here... Was bringing them favor over here. Hallelujah, verse fourteen. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, "Come here and eat of the bread, and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar." So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed parched grain to her, and she ate what was and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. So here is interesting that um, the gleaners usually they just pick out a field and they huddle together. But here uh, Boaz is calling her out, and he is sitting her with the reapers, and she's not eating what the gleaners are eating, but rather she's eating the meal in the food of the reapers. And 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 he says to her, "Dip your." bread and this vinegar, I want you to taste something different. Have you ever tasted something that sort of sets a new standard in your palate? In fact, I was telling the earlier congregation some of these shudder restaurants that have popped up in town. You know, shudder is a staple meal here but they have done something to that shuttle that just makes it taste different. <laughs> it sort of messes up uh, messes you up because you go back home and you try to eat the shiru they're making at home and the shiru that you were happy with would normally be, you're like no, no, I want that shiru and you're trying to teach your cook what the, to cook cook what they're cooking over there at these shiru restaurants and I don't know what they're putting in there if you know the secret, come and tell me after service because we've been hunting trying to get <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is pay attention to the things that God allows you to taste. Because God will allow you to taste destiny. To taste your purpose. God, because God will allow you to taste things to open up your appetite for greater things. That he will allow you to taste things to open up your thinking and open up your expectation and open up your desire and open up your hope and open up your faith. God will allow you to taste it. The Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. Joseph, the, the coat that Joseph's father had given to him, the, the, that, that Jacob had given to him, it, it wasn't the full destiny. It wasn't his full purpose. It was just a taste. It was a taste of favor. It was a taste of his destiny. It was a taste of his purpose. When God called Elijah, the Bible says that Elisha was plowing with his oxen, plowing his field with his 12 yoke of oxen. And the Bible says that while he was plowing in the fields, Elijah comes up behind him and throws the mantle upon him. It wasn't his full destiny, but what God was giving him was a taste what I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes God will give you a taste. Some of you have experienced where, where you, you had a moment where you tasted something different and, and you tasted some level of favor came upon your life and some level of blessing came upon your life and it felt like a moment and it was taken away and you, were, and you just thought it was just an experience. But I'm here to let you know that God was giving you a taste. A taste of your purpose. Why, why did God bring David into the palace only to get him, only a moment later to have him running in the wilderness? God was giving him a taste of his destiny, a taste of his purpose. Pay attention to the things that God allows you to taste, because he's trying to open up your appetite for greater things. Tell your neighbors, it's just a taste. When Boaz was giving her a taste, it was a hint that she was meant for a table, great, it was, she was meant for a greater table than the table that she was used to. He was giving her a taste. In verse 15, and when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Also, say also, let grain from your bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about in the ephah of barley. Then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw that what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So I want you to picture this. So Ruth is following behind the reapers. She She's gleaning behind the reapers and, and she keeps, she, she, as she's gleaning, she keeps finding these, these bundles of, of barley. And probably in her mind, she's just thinking that the reapers are being a bit careless today. Because they seem to be dropping a lot more than they normally would drop in these circumstances. They, and she just thinks it's just luck. She just happened, she just, she happened to be gleaning on the right day. Behind the right people. And so she's picking it up. She's picking it up. In fact, the Bible says she gleaned about an ephah of barley, which which would supply a full family for a full week. Three meals. And so she gleaned this in one day. And so the Bible says that she gleaned it with her own hands. She beat out the barley with her own hands. She weighed it with our own hands. She wrapped it up and bundled it and she packs it up. But now she comes to Naomi and when Naomi sees what Ruth brought back, Naomi tells her, you may have picked this up with your own hands. You may have beat it with your own hands. You may have packed it with your own hands, but this is not the work of your hands this is not a product of your hands, this is not a product of good cleanings, this is not just a product of hard work and labor, you may have worked, but this is not not what you get from this type of work, Ruth, someone took notice of you, I don't know who this word is for, but I have a word that someone has taken notice of you. Someone has taken notice of you. You didn't just happen to find what you found. You didn't happen just to come across the connection that you got. You didn't just happen to get the job that you got and the position that you got. Someone has been taking notice of you. And see, we can talk maybe a lot about different aspects of Ruth's character, that that she was committed and she was faithful and she was humble And she was hardworking. And while all these attributes are not noteworthy and would be true, they're not the thing that define Ruth's story. The only reason we know Ruth's story at all is because of God's favor upon her life. Ruth's story is not a testimony of of the strength of Ruth's character, but rather it is a testimony of what favor can do in your life. See, favor will usher your life out of the shadow of obscurity and into the fields of God's purpose. Favor will open the doors of opportunity. Favor will make a way where there is no way. Favor will make the crooked ways straight. Favor will do for you what you could not do for yourself. Favor will roll away the stones in front of you that you didn't have the strength to move on your own. Favor will lift you up on its pedestal and allow you to stand upon heights you didn't have the stature to reach by yourself. Favor will open the avenues of provision that your paycheck cannot explain. Favor will give you influence with the right people. Favor will put you at the right place, doing the right thing, in front of the right people, at the right time. See, you couldn't thread all of those things together on your own. Maybe you could do the right thing some of the time. But only favor can allow you to do the right thing, at the right time, in front of the right people. Favor will bring you to the next dimension. And I just thought you should know that. Because I feel like God sent me here in the spirit of Naomi speaking to Ruth to wake you up to the fact that favor is at work in your life. Ruth, you don't even realize it, it, but favor is at work in your life. Favor just showed up in your story. I'm not just talking about the favor that pays your rent or the favor that gives you the taxi money to get home. I'm talking about the favor that turns your world and your life upside down. That I'm talking about the favor that ushers your life out of the shadow of obscurity and into the folds of God's purpose. And I know what some of you may be thinking right now. You're thinking to yourself, well, if that type of favor came in my life, I would know it. You wouldn't have to tell me. If that type of favor was happening in my life, but here's the thing: when favor makes its entrance, it's, it can almost sneak up on you. Favor God's favor sometimes it works in secret. In fact, in fact, Ruth Ruth didn't even know it, but Boaz had was whispering instructions to the reapers he was whispering he said listen don't tell her but what i want you to do don't even give it to our hands make her think she's just finding good cleanings i want you to pull it out on purpose and drop it behind you for her to pick up don't let her know make her think it's her make it think that she's working hard and she got she she, she she and Ruth is just picking it up and she thinks it's just carelessness but what she doesn't know that somebody was whispering on our in her behalf and what I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes favor does not come and announce itself announce itself but favor sometimes begins with a whisper and what I'm trying to tell you is that really in my spirit I hear the whisperings of God. I, I, hear, I hear God whispering on someone's behalf. And, and you don't even know it and you don't even realize it, but you're just walking through life and you're just walking and doing you. But in the meantime, there is that God has been whispering into the ears of people and things have already started dropping. Things have already started. And some, some of you have started finding droppings. You've come across opportunities and you've come across resources and you've come across connections and you just think that somehow it just came your way. And it, it, somehow it just fell your way. But I'm here to let you know that those things didn't just drop. You didn't it just happen to drop there. It's not there by accident. God has been whispering on your behalf. That, that, that idea didn't just drop in your mind. That was God has been whispering into your soul, whispering into your spirit. That business concept didn't just drop in your heart. God's been whispering to something. Tell your neighbor and say God's whispering on for you. Yeah, God's whispering. He's whispering. He's whispering. He's not, it's not loud. It doesn't come in loud. It begins, hey, just, just a whisper. Just a whisper. A whisper into your spirit, a whisper of favor into my God. I hear you when I'm saying to you. It begins as a whisper. It didn't just drop. It was favor. It was favor. In fact, favor, in favor simply means to drop. In the the Hebrew, it just means to drop or to stoop down, to stoop down to bring another up. That's that's the definition of favor to stoop down, to bring another up. Can I tell you something that I love the fact that favor didn't begin with necessarily just bringing me up? That favor began with God coming down? Favor coming down to where I am? The reason is because that's the only reason Joseph could find favor. In fact, it was not, Joseph did not find favor Favor found Joseph. That's the only reason that favor could find Joseph in the prison, that that favor stooped down to where Joseph was. The reason I like that is it tells me that favor can find me no matter where I am, that no matter how much I feel that I'm shrouded by obscurity, no matter how dark the situation is, favor can find me no matter where I am. That favor knows my address. That sometimes I don't even know where to look for favor. Favor will come looking for me. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know where to look to. But the Bible says that favor does not begin with me finding favor. Favor begins with favor finding me. That favor reaches down. Tell your neighbors that favor reaches down. I don't know where you are, but favor reaches down. Maybe you're up and, and maybe favor can find you up. But, but, I, but I, I thank God for the testimony that favor will come down. Favor will come down. But it doesn't only reach down, but the only reason it reaches down is to lift me up. That favor will reach down into t- David in the shepherd's field and pull him up into the palace that favor will reach down into the wine press and pull us up into purpose. Favor will do things for you that your education cannot do for you, that your strength cannot do for you, that your scheming and devising and planning cannot do for you. Ruth, it wasn't hard work. Someone took notice of you. This was favor. And I used to think, That favor was sort of there to compensate for where your strengths fell short. Um, That's maybe true to one extent, but hear me out. That I I guess I thought that favor was for people who couldn't arrive to positions upon their own merits or competence. That I used to think that if you were somehow competent enough and you were gifted enough, that you wouldn't need favor to get to the place where God had called you to be that It was like favor was sort of a a crutch um, and and maybe maybe you thought differently, but I, that's what I sort of viewed favor. You just look for favor where, where you mess up all the time, and favor will sort of fill in the blanks and it, it, I had that mentality until, as I was preparing this message, God reminded me of Luke chapter two verses fifty two speaking of Jesus, Luke says that. Jesus, and this is when he was uh, approximately 12, he said Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. Now, watch this and in favor with God and men. Wait a second. Why would Jesus need favor? He's Jesus. Work with me now. He's gifted. He is the son of God. He is anointed. He is chosen. How, how, why would Jesus need favor? I figured if you could stop a storm and calm a storm, you wouldn't need favor. That things would be self-evident. But I realized in that passage that when God calls you, he calls you with favor in mind. That the calling of God in your life is dependent upon God's favor. That's why the Bible says promotion does not come from the east it doesn't, or the west. Or the, but promotion comes from above. That when God calls you, you need favor to get to the place where God has called you. You can't get there without favor. John the Baptist who was sent by God to prepare the way for Christ. John's testimony was this. I would not have known him. Who? Jesus. I would not have known him. No one else would have known him. I would not have known him except the the Lord, the Spirit who sent me to baptize. Revealed to me and said, this is the one whom you, you, you've been proclaiming, who you've been prophesying about, who you've been declaring about, this is the one. And the Bible says that the heavens opened and a light shone on Jesus. And God announced, this is my son, who I am greatly pleased. Listen, let me tell you something. That was favor. Favor was setting him apart. Favor was getting him noticed. John said, I would not have known him except the one who sent me to baptize, told me, and revealed him, and set him apart, and got it." Favor will set you apart. Favor will lift you up. Favor will get you noticed. The gift of God in you may allow you to function in your calling. But it is favor that lifts you up into your calling, and into your purpose. Joseph had a gift of interpreting dreams. He he was known for that. And while he was in the prison, he was interpreting the prisoner's dreams. That That was gifting. But when he was interpreting the dreams of Pharaoh, that was favor. The gifting did not change, the access changed. And that's what favor will do for you. Favor will elevate the access for your gift. And as it elevates the access for your gift, your gift begins to do more. Not because the gift got bigger, because the access got bigger. Hallelujah. And one more thing about favor favor can grow. Favor can grow. It doesn't just say that Jesus received favor, but it says Jesus grew. He grew in favor. It tells me that favor is not in an event, but rather it is a process. That there is greater potential in the favor I have than what is given to me today. That the same favor that was on Ruth while she was gleaning, gleaning grain, the grain in the fields was the same favor that caused her to own and possess the field she was gleaning in. How? Favor grows. Barley was not the only thing growing in the fields. Ruth's favor was growing. Benaya, my son, just uh, some, some, maybe about a month ago, uh, they went out with the gardener, and we had bought the, all of these seeds, and they were planting, planting vegetable seeds in the garden. And he was really excited and going at it, and the next day, he went in the morning, the first thing he did is he ran outside to to check upon, check the soil where he, where he sowed the seeds. And he came back, and he said, Baba, there's something wrong. And I said, what is it? He said, I don't see anything in the garden, and and I liked his faith, but I said, well, it doesn't quite work like that. It, it's not going to appear that quickly. It's going to take some time. That's home. That's preaching right there. Tell your neighbor, it's going to take some time. Nothing's, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. You didn't sin. Nothing's wrong. It just takes some time. And so, but... Watching him was like watching a preaching, because, but I loved his faith because he was going down out there almost every day. Every morning, the first thing he would do before breakfast, he would run out, go check the soil to see if he could see anything. And, and a few, some weeks later, I, I heard this shout of excitement outside. And he, he said, Baba, it's ready. It's ready. Because I know there's no way... <laughs> Those seeds are going to grow like it's going to be ready in a few weeks. I knew what happened. He saw the, the, the little sprout. And I had to tell him. I said, no, no, no. It's, it's not done yet. It has some more growing to do. And I feel to tell somebody in this place what I told Beniah, that it's not done yet. Favor is still growing. Favor is still growing. I, I, you may have seen a little something, and I know you are excited because it's exciting sometimes to see something where you saw nothing, and you, and, and, and you think that the process is finished, but I'm here to tell you that favor is not done in your life, that favor is still growing, it still has some more growing to do. Help me convince your neighbor who is doubting what I'm telling and tell them favor is not done yet. Yeah, yeah, you haven't seen the full extent of what favor is going to do in your life. You saw a little something, but favor is not done. Favor grows. Favor is still growing. Ruth, I know favor just got you noticed, but favor is not done. Favor is still growing. Ruth, I know favor got you to the reaper's table. And you're excited and, you, and and you're enjoying your meal, but I'm here to tell you again, favor is not done, favor is still growing. I know Ruth, you found some bundles and you, and you saw some things, and it feels like you're just getting random blessings and and you're excited and and you just got money to pay your rent, and you just got money for bus fare, and you got money for food and you got you got a promotion and I know that's exciting, but I'm here to tell you favor. Is not done growing. You, favor will grow. Tell your neighbors that favor will grow. Favor will grow. This brings me to my next point: that if favor grows, what grows can be traced back to a seed. Favor can be traced down to a seed. Whatever grows can be traced back to a seed. We are human beings and we are growing, because if we are growing, we can be traced back down to a, I'm not going to go further than that, because children in the room, but whatever grows can be traced back to the seed. That though it seems that favor comes out of nowhere, because when you try to compare the favor to the seed it came from, the favor seems so much more significant than the seed it came from. Which is why for us it feels like it came out of nowhere. Work with me here. It's sort of like a comparison that Jesus gave about the the, the parable of the mustard seed. Remember he was talking about the mustard seed and he said, the mustard seed is the smallest. Even out of seeds, seeds are generally smaller, but out of all of the seeds, the mustard seed... Is the smallest of all the seeds in your garden, but out of the mustard seed, even though the mustard seed is one of the smallest seed, but the smallest seed is somehow producing the biggest tree, and it doesn't feel like something significant would come out of that something that big. That something that big would come out of something that small. That something that significant would come out of something something that looks so insignificant. And it is something significant coming out of what at the time seems insignificant because sometimes it's hard to distinguish the seed favor will come through. And this is where Ruth is when she sort of asks Boaz because Boaz, uh, Ruth is also a bit confused about the favor that's appearing in her life. She keeps asking, why am I receiving This favor. Where is this favor coming from? Because for me, it looks like it's coming out of nowhere. Right? She's saying it it feels like it's coming out of the blue. I don't know where it's coming from. It seems to have come from nowhere. And Boaz tells her, watch this now, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. Well, now, if it is since the death of her husband, then this is why they're still in Moab. Because her husband died in Moab. And he is saying, it's been fully reported to me what you have done since the death of your mother-in-law, since the death of your husband. That even though Boaz was not there, he says, it's been fully reported to me. At the time, it didn't seem... It was something that would be re- ever be recognized. At the time, it didn't seem that some- it was something that would be recognized or celebrated. But here she is in the middle of the barley field, gleaning barley in a foreign country. Tell your neighbor and tell them, favor will find you. Favor will find you. When you feel lost in yourself and you don't even know where you are and how you got there. Favor will find you in in places you think that are strange. And see, it's funny how things that you, you did, sacrifices you made that seemed to go uncelebrated, unrecognized, and unrewarded in one season is now setting you apart and giving you favor in another season that the testimony that was quiet over here is now speaking for you over here. And I feel like God is telling me to tell somebody, don't be discouraged because of the silence. Don't let the momentary silence discourage you. Because at the right time, the testimony will speak. At the right time, the testimony will speak. And here's the thing. We all know there's God's timing. We've been preaching this. The issue, I don't think, is about knowing that God has a timing. The issue is trusting his timing. And And I feel like God wants to convince you to trust his timing. Trust his timing. We want to speak right now. Right now. But God says, trust my timing. Joseph, don't get discouraged because of the silence. Because at the right time, the baker will speak. At the right time, the baker will speak. If the baker spoke when Joseph wanted him to speak, Joseph would have got, gotten out of prison, but he wouldn't be ruling Egypt. Trust God's timing because at the right time, the baker, the testimony, will speak. At the appointed time. Tell your neighbor, and say the appointed time. Yeah, the testimony is waiting for an appointed time. Psalms 102, verse 13 says, you will arise and have compassion on Zion. For it is time to show, to show, to show. Tell your neighbor, say, to show. Not to give it, to show it. To show it insinuates it was already there. It was already in the ground. It was a seed that was planted. And, and it got planted, and you don't see it. But just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. Just because you don't see it does not mean it's not at work. Because at the appointed time, it will show itself. First the sprout, then the hay, then the full quarter of grain. It will show itself. It will speak at the appointed time. Tell your neighbor and say, it will speak at the appointed time. The appointed time. Has come. The appointed time has come. Ruth, the appointed time has come. Things that you did and you thought were gone and finished is all of a sudden speaking on your behalf. It didn't seem significant at the time. But what seemed insignificant over there is producing favor over here. And it wasn't just that she served her mother in law, it wasn't just that she served. Yeah, that, that's good, but that, that wasn't it, just fully it. It's not just that she served her mother-in-law, but it's un, it is the circumstances under which she served. That in the midst of her loss and tragedy, Ruth could have sat in her bitterness and sorrow and loss and just sat and cried, and no one would have blamed her. But Ruth, in her bitterness, in her sorrow, through her tears got up and began to serve. See, you don't have control over everything that happens to you. All you have control over is your response to what happens to you. And really, in the end, your life is not a product of what happens. Your life is a product of how you respond to what happened to you. And Ruth decided, even though something happened, she didn't expect something happened. She didn't have any control over something happened. She couldn't control what happened, but she could control her response. And she decided, I'm not going to just sit here and cry over things. I'm going to get up and begin to serve and do something with my pain. If you remember, we just finished a series uh, last spring called called, called The Other Cross, and we said that you're going to do something with your pain. You remember that? We, we, all have, we all go through pain. We all experience pain. What sets us apart is not whether we experience pain. What sets us apart is what we do with our pain. And you can either let, turn that pain into bitterness or you can serve and turn that pain into a seed. And what I'm trying to tell you is that you have the option. You have the choice of what you do with your pain. You can, you, can, you can turn that pain into tears, or you can turn that pain into seed. Paul and Silas, were, the Bible says, were singing hymns unto God. Praise God. But it's not just that they were singing a good song. It was the circumstances in which they were singing that set them apart. The Bible says that their hands were shackled in the prison... Their feet were shackled, their hands were shackled, Though and though they shackled their hands and their feet, they couldn't do anything, they couldn't go anywhere, but they didn't shackle their mouth. And the Bible says instead of complaining with their mouth, they began to praise with their mouth, and they begin to sing praises and hymns unto God. And the Bible says that the other prisoners heard them, and they were ministering grace and ministering hope and ministering faith in their chains, in their shackles. You see, you can, you can either complain or you can turn it into seed. Tell your neighbor and help me tell you, turn it into seed. Turn it into seed. Psalms 126 says, in verse 6 says, He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, wow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaths with him. Notice the connection between the weeping and the seed. He said, "He said either you you can sit there and cry, or you can cry and get seed in your hands." And he says, "If you can if you can weep with, and go out with seed in your hands, that you'll go out one way." But he says, he says, you may go out with tears, but when you come back, you're coming, out with a different, you're coming back with a test, different testimony. You're coming out with a different level of favor. Not with just a testimony upon your lips, but a testimony in your hands. He says, you'll come back with joy carrying sheaves yes. in your hands. How many of you understand that while you're in tears and while you're going through, going through pain, it doesn't feel like the right time to sow seed? It doesn't feel like the right time to serve. It does not feel the, like the right time to try to minister to others when you're going through things yourself. But the Bible says when you think and feel it's not the right time, is exactly the right time to turn that thing into a seed. And the Bible says if you can get seed in your hands while you're going through what you're going through. What I love about this is that it was not, it was not that Paul and Silas were going through something different from everyone else around them. They were in the same prison. They were in the same change. They were in the same circumstances. What differed is what they chose to do with those chains. Tell your neighbor and say, your seed is in your response. I'm going to give you one more then I'm done. See, that's that's really what happened to Ruth. That's what happened to Ruth. That's what happened to Ruth. She, she, she decided, I'm not going to just sit here in my pain. I'm going to turn this to seed. And when she turned it into seed, at the appointed time, she came back with sheaves in her hands. And she's, she's asking, where did this come from? There was a seed that was sown. She didn't know it was a seed at the time, but it was a seed. And here's one more thing that you need to do after you sow the seed. The seed needs to be watered. The seed needs to be watered. It's it's sort of interesting that every instance of favor that Ruth obtained was followed by an obedience she did. Favor got her noticed, praise God. But then Boaz said, Okay, now let me give you an instruction. Will you listen to me, he said. He said, I, 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 know, you, I, know, you're, I know you're gleaning. It would make more sense for you to go from, from field to field to go glean, but I want you to stay in this field. And she decided to trust, and she obeyed. And after she obeyed, the Bible says the favor increased, and all of a sudden now she's finding bundles of barley along her path. And The Bible says she came. She told Naomi what took place. And Naomi told her. He said, well, instead of going out to another field, stay in Boaz's field. She obeyed. And the favor grew. And then... And and then, if you read, and I'm going to get, I'll talk about this next week in Ruth chapter three, but she gives her some other instructions. And these instructions are very interesting instructions. I'm going to talk about it next week. But it was not necessarily comfortable instructions. But the Bible says she did all that she was been told to do. And when she obeyed, the favor increased. Well, I want you to see that the water was the obedience, the water was the obedience. Tell your neighbor. He said, "The water is the obedience." It sort of reminds me of the when Jesus's first miracle. The Bible says that he did his first miracle at a wedding, and the Bible says that at the wedding they ran out of wine. Very interesting miracle. It, it would pro- probably offend a lot of our thoughts and theologies of today, but. He he heard, the Bible says they ran out of wine at the wedding. And Jesus' mother came to Jesus and said, listen, they're out of wine. And it's very interesting because remember, this is his first miracle. I don't know exactly what was going through her mind. (laughs) And, And she said, they're out of wine. And she said, why are you bothering me with this? It's not my time. And Jesus had a mother like all mothers. She, she just said, told the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Jesus, Mary was like, you may be the son of God, but right now you're my son. And you're going to do something right now. <laughs> That's basically what she said. She just ignored what he said. And said, She told the servants, he's going to tell you to do something. Do whatever he tells you to do. I wish I, wish, I wish I can give that word to somebody in this place. Just do whatever he tells you to do. The reason is. Jesus tells the servants, okay, he goes, he, and he says, go, these water jars, these huge water jars, and he said, go fill it with water. If I were the servant, you see, we know the end of the story. So put yourself like you don't know the end of the story. And so Jesus, you understand the circumstance, you're out of wine. And Jesus said, go fill those water, those jugs full, go fill it with water. Well, Jesus, maybe you misunderstood. We don't need water. We're, we, we're not lacking water, we, we ran out of wine. Have, have you ever been in a situation where you've been, you're praying for one thing, and you're believing God for one thing, but God is giving you instructions about completely something else? That you need a new job, and God is challenging you about your attitude towards your husband, or you need rent, and God is challenging you about forgiveness. And, and you're like, no, no, no. I want you to speak about this. I need you to speak to me about the wine, not forgiveness, not the water. I need you to speak to me about this. But but you're believing God for this, and God is talking to you about this. But what you don't know is that the wine is in the water. The wine is in the water. The wine is in the obedience. The favor is in the obedience. And sometimes it won't make sense. You you may be believing God for one thing and God is giving you instructions about completely something else that seems completely unrelated to what you're facing and your needs. And it feels like God doesn't understand what you're going through. Boys, if you understood what I was going through, you would not ask me to stay in your field while there's gleanings over there in the next field. I don't think you understand my circumstance. but But I'm here to let you know that the favor is in the obedience. The water is in the obedience. And sometimes you need the water. For the seed that you have. What I'm saying to you is this. In this season, open up your ears and listen. And do whatever he says. It may not make sense, but pay attention to what he is saying. You may not be able to connect the dots from what you're believing for and what he's telling you to do. That's not your job. Your job was not to try to make sense. Mary said, just do what he says. She knew that because she said, it may not make sense, but do what he says. And I don't know at what stage it happened, but the Bible says they drew some of the water out. He said, go draw some out and give it to the banquet master. It doesn't say that it turned right there. He just said, draw it out and give it. Maybe they drew out water. And they're coming in like, I'm about to look like an idiot right now. <laughs> and, they brought, and he brought it to the master of the banquet. And, and to their surprise, the Bible, Bible says the master of the banquet pulled, drew, drew some what they, of what they brought. And it was wine. Not only just wine, but it was good wine. The best wine. And everybody was trying to figure out where did you get this wine. It came out of the obedience didn't come out of the water. It came out of the obedience. Tell your neighbors to do whatever he tells you. Hallelujah. Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for what you're doing in our lives. Some of you in this place, you're in a position where you ran out of something. You've run out. Jesus, thank you. Maybe you ran out of position, out of patience, out of joy. I don't know what you've run out of. But sometimes running out is one of the best things that can happen to you. Because God has something better. open up your ears and listen. Because just because you ran out doesn't mean it's finished. It's still growing. God is not finished. The best is yet to come. Father God, we thank you that you have something better You have something better. At the right time, my God, the testimony will speak. My God, we thank you, my God, that my God, the silence is ending and you're speaking and moving and lifting us up. You are the lifter of our heads and the restorer of our souls. We thank you for lifting us now, my God, lifting us up out of obscurity, lifting us out of despair lifting us up out of hopelessness and you're positioning us to the heights that you've called us for. We thank you now, Father God. And I pray may you take you this word and may you make us alert and awake to do what you've been saying for us to do. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.